Good morning. Here we are again. Welcome to Engaging and Empowering School Libraries, a podcast that aims to raise the profile of school libraries by talking about topics that are current across education and teaching. Today, Darren and I are continuing our monthly chat, Fossil Education and School Libraries. We hope to help you engage with the content on the Fossil Group website, introduce you to people who are using Fossil in schools, and most of all, just have a conversation about the role of school librarians within education. This month, we're going to head back to something we mentioned briefly at the end of last month's conversation, which was about reading and making sense of something. So I know that many people associate school libraries with reading. However, the latest reading framework produced by the government in the UK in July doesn't mention libraries as much as it should have, in my opinion, and librarians even less. From a librarian's perspective, that is sad, but not surprising. So today we're going to help listeners understand the role the school librarian plays in reading and especially reading for learning. So thanks again for joining me, Daryl. How are you doing? I hope you're well. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm good, good, good to join you uh, today. Very, very uh, wet and windy in Guernsey at the moment um, and very much looking forward to the end of term. How are you doing? Yeah, not so bad. Um, in the middle of mad manic packing up as we mm-hmm. tend, are going to move house next year. But but deep breath, we're almost there <laughs> to, to Christmas, aren't we? So so let's crack on and start with our first question. And I think it's an important one about how the school librarian, for those that don't know and may be listening, how does the school librarian support, help and guide students reading in, in your opinion, in your setup? So to start, uh, I'm just going to briefly remind people who are listening of uh, what we ended the last um, discussion on, uh, which was a uh, an observation by Douglas Knight. Um, about the two major and unique functions of a library. And he was very clear that that was uh, any library has two uh, major and unique functions. And we were uh, in in the context of of the last discussion, we spoke about the the second function, which 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 very briefly, because I'll go through both of them again, but I'd like to to start with the first one. Um, but the second one, just very briefly, was uh, that it's 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 the institution in our society which allows and encourages the development, the extension of ideas, not their passive absorption, but their active generation. Um, so to make a little bit more sense of that in the light of the question that you asked, um, if we go back to the first function, um, so he says a library has two major and unique functions. First, it makes possible meetings of mind and idea which are not limited by our normal boundaries of time, space, and social or economic level. So a library is a space in which um, meeting of mind and idea is possible. And um, those ideas transcend space and time. Um, So how how does somebody in a library encounter those ideas? Um, it's in the resources that we have in the library. Absolutely. Um, so 
an extraordinary, extraordinarily large amount of the ideas that we encounter are recorded in books in their broadest possible sense. So whether that's physical or digital. Yeah. Um, so that the, the the only way that we can access that is through reading. Um, so he goes on to say an effective library gives us the option of moving to the far side of the world to the fifth century BC or to the company of prophets and princes. And we do all of this not by the transient means of fantasy, but by the enduring power of our own human awareness. We can become more than we were. We can, if we wish it, increase our individual stature as well as our public effectiveness. Um, so just to have that in mind is we, we manage a space in which mind encounters idea through the means of our collection. So obviously not limited to the yeah. collection that we have in the library or even, say, for example, with subscri um, subscription databases. Um, but it's beyond, it's beyond that, though, isn't it? Because, because many people, I think, would agree that providing the resources, the space, the physical books, the online resources is all part of supporting reading for our students. Because without those, what do they read, I suppose? Yes. But, but the help and guidance that the school librarian brings is something different and something that maybe not many people think about. So, um, so, so, so actually, this first point raises a number of important points. Yeah. Um, because he's not actually placing an emphasis on the resources. He's placing an emphasis on the meeting of mind and idea. Yeah. So what is, actu so what is actually um, pushing us towards there is to be viewing ourselves in terms of mediating the meeting of mind and idea. Um, how we do that, is through our collection. So there are important implications of that for the collection. Yeah. Um, which which we'll go on to talk about. Um, but I think this 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 first thing is that 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 is that that is a, a subtle but profound shift in the way that we view the library as a space and the stuff that is in that space. Um, yeah. so it's not actually about the space and it's not actually about the stuff, although no. There are very important considerations there, but it's about us as facilitators of this meeting of mind and idea, the mind of our students and the ideas in the resources. We're talking about the conversations that we have. We're talking about the move to make students think beyond the words that they're reading um do you know i i it makes me think about the the um graphic organizers that you can get from the mm -hmm. fossil group is is there's a lot of um when students have found some information how do they feel about it and that's the meeting of minds isn't it that's the that's the pushing the boundaries of just reading going beyond reading for the sake of reading the words to actually 
bring together thought and meaning in that largest te text tense um i can't think of the word i'm trying to use but but actually you know reading isn't isn't a something that's done on its own reading is much much more broad broad isn't it i th i think if i'm you know i don't know whether i'm making much sense there daryl but 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 yeah a, a wider the wider scope of reading beyond the physical collection is what's important i think is what i'm trying to say yeah so so reading serves a purpose yes. um and maybe we haven't been um as concerned as we could or possibly should be about the the purpose of reading yeah. um, and i think a lot of the purpose so which so so this will come out as we as we continue talking but i think a lot of the purpose of reading is lost in um what is quite an overwhelming emphasis on reading for pleasure yeah which i think in for many people boils down to reading fiction yes um and you know on one level deriving pleasure from reading is a purpose yeah but that is such a narrow do you view. do you think that you know taking it back slightly to the the reading framework there's a lot of emphasis on on raising literacy levels do you think that those conversations get muddled with reading for pleasure yeah so so i think maybe if we so if we leave that question hanging um because where where, where the discussion will go will bring us back to that point and then we can tease we can tease some of that stuff out when we get there. You're making it sound as if you know where this conversation's going down. <laughs> well, we haven't made it on. We haven't made it onto the second great function. <laughs> so let's go to question two. How does the act of reading contribute to our collective understanding of the world? <laughs> well, okay. So, so we've already begun to position that, but um, so I think it is worth revisiting Douglas Knight's second function of the library having now positioned that first one yeah um because he then goes on to say um that it's the institution in our society which allows and encourages the development or extension of ideas so um the first function is that it it, it is a space where someone can go and they can encounter ideas that transcend space and time so they are not limited to the people who they know and are in immediate contact with. So I can step into the library and I can encounter ideas from the other side of the world um, and from the distant reaches of time. Um, but the, the, the point then is that it's not just the passive reception of those ideas. It's taking those ideas and making those ideas our own um and developing them and doing something with them yeah um yeah so then that that's the bit where he speaks about uh you know sitting watching somebody reading silently looks like it's passive but um they may they may be more active at that point than they have ever been in their life because there's this encounter taking place between 
um, this this idea that's come in from outside of me and the ideas that I have in my own own head. So there's a there's a conversation going on, an internal conversation between the reader and what they're reading. Um, and and then he just makes the point that um, that may be a book. Now, if you remember that this was written um, in 1968. And he's already saying that the technical means of that encounter between mind and idea may be a record, a tape, a film, a printout, or a book. Um, libraries are not bounded by means. They they will and should employ any means to achieve their ends. Mm. So if we just um, add to that first image then, that as a librarian, we are um, concerned with creating a space that facilitates the richest possible meeting of mind of our students and ideas through, through the collection, not just in the library, but beyond the library. Um, and while considerations about the, 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 the collection are important, um, we're really more interested in the ideas in the resources, the ideas contained in the collection and the meeting of those minds and how students then extend those ideas. So, so make those ideas their own and move beyond. And that is actually our focus. Because that's really important, isn't it? Is that, is that many students end up in our libraries where they're being you know, where the expectation is they're going to read something. Um, how do we how do we support and help our students to go beyond reading the words, to help them understand that actually as they're reading, there is a function, um, a conversation, as you say, with themselves about what they're reading. Not all students automatically get to that stage when they read something. You know, some students have decided already that that they don't like reading whatever fiction or nonfiction, that it is literally they can read. They are reading the words. The function beyond that is is beyond them. How do we you know, is this something that librarians need to think about supporting and engaging with students a bit more? Um, so absolutely, because. I think this is where our reluctance, I think, to talk about the purpose of reading and the value of reading beyond pleasure um, hampers us mm. because um, at some point, reading is an effort. Yeah, it is. For all and, of us. Unless I understand why the effort is necessary, um, and then how I can, so, so, so how then, because there, there, there are steps that can be taken to help somebody who is finding reading an effort. And, and that includes us. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it begins to open that conversation up, um, so
Well, actually, that, so that is the point. It opens the conversation up. So if in what we're doing, we aren't creating opportunities for conversations about what students are reading and the purpose of that beyond just enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and also not just some of the really obvious and important um, benefits of the, the more obvious benefits of um, reading that are associated with reading for pleasure, um, like empathy, um, increasing your vocabulary. Uh, so all of all of that stuff is really, really, really important. But that is only one part of um, the value of reading that makes the effort work it, worth it. Yeah. So if we move into something slightly more practical, so I think to, to, to sum the position up, um, when shortly after I started working at Oakham School, um, I heard a talk by Simon Sinek. Oh, yes. I'm sure, yes, um, right. to start with why. And I remember being really challenged by him saying that most people um, can explain what they do, but they cannot explain why they do it. Yep. They cannot explain the purpose, but they, they can explain the mission. So yeah. we do this, but they can't explain why. Yes. And that actually what people buy into is the purpose. So what people want to buy into is the why, but we start and never get beyond the how or the what we do. So, so this makes me think about the way we talk about students being able to question what they're reading, mm -hmm. to be able to spot within a text something that's... Um, maybe doesn't answer answers the is is correct in the paragraph but leaves a question and I, and I'm afraid I can't think of an example offhand but this kind of reading where you're exploring the text for more meaning is difficult and even for for me I don't know about you but I know for me it's really absolutely. hard absolutely is that is that it's too like you like you said before. Reading is hard when it when it's for a purpose, and and this is something that students will find extremely difficult. Um, and, and it is about it is about demonstrating how it can be done, giving examples of reading a text and spotting where the text doesn't give you all the answers. And I think that is an interesting way of engaging students in reading in a diff slightly different way. Do you yeah. reckon? So that that is why I began to look um, more closely at the kind of reading that happens in each stage of the inquiry process. Yeah. Um, which I'll share now. But just before we go into that, um, so 
if we understand, and which is the way I, I understand it, and yeah. um, I wrestled with this for ages at Oakham, um, to if we understand the purpose of the library as enabling knowledge and understanding um, of the world and ourselves in it, yeah, as the basis for responsible participation in community. So that's the that that that's the definition of inquiry that we develop. Yeah. Um, but um, enabling knowledge and understanding of the world and ourselves. That is the purpose. That's why we exist. Yes. Um, through reading. That's the yes. mission. Yes. Um, both nonfiction and fiction. So the reason why the collection is there is to enable knowledge and understanding of ourselves in the world. Yeah. Through nonfiction and fiction. And yeah. our task... So we have to assemble the collection. Yeah. It has to be a collection that is fit for purpose. Yeah. But our task is to facilitate this meeting of mind and idea in the fiction and the nonfiction, um, and for that to transform the students. And that's the why. Yeah, so that's the why. Yes. The how, <laughs> the how um, are all of the things that we do like, for example, reading programs, reading schemes, um, reading promotions, author, all of those are things that we do yeah. in order to enable knowledge and understanding of the world and ourselves through reading. Yeah. So if then we, if then we just look at the, the, the six stages of the inquiry process and, and the differences in the kind of reading that happens in each phase, then I think it, it, it will, A, um, raise awareness of how varied that reading is, yep. but it will also then begin to point us um, more concretely and practically to the kinds of things that we could be doing to facilitate that. So let before you start, this is something that is definitely, I've seen written on the Fossil Forum. Yes, is it so we can link back to that so people can read it afterwards? Yes. So, so I'll put it in the show notes after yes. the session. Yeah. So the, the 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 forum topic where I was discussing that was the year nine signature work inquiry, which links back to last month as exactly. well. Exactly, and yeah. and that and that was kind <laughs> of where we got onto Douglas Knight. Yeah. Um, because what we were talking about is how do we facilitate this meeting of mind and idea and the extension or development of those ideas yeah. in the minds of our students. Yeah. Um, so I think we, 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 we touched on connect and wonder, um, but I'll just repeat them and then go on to the remaining four. Absolutely. So we said that in the connect phase, so, so in connect, what we're trying to do is to establish um, intellectual and emotional engagement and um, it's an opportunity for students to reflect on what they already know about something as a starting point. Um, so there what I um, did was uh, reading for intellectual and emotional engagement. So the, the kind of reading 
the the, the kind of material that we're providing in Connect um, has intellectual and emotional engagement in mind because we said, so inquiry is a learning process. Yeah. These are stages or steps in that process. And we've now established quite firmly that without the desire to learn, students do not learn. So our, our, our first and most important task is to engage them in the learning process. So the kind of texts that we are choosing in Connect um, need to maximize intellectual and emotional engagement. And some of that engagement is the, is is making them feel comfortable that they already know something that exactly. then that it's not all brand new that it's not too scary to continue that learning journey. Yeah. So it may be, it may be um simpler, um it may be uh less detail. Yeah. Um, it may be more sensational um i mean so so within reason because we're not entertaining no 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 <laughs> we're wanting no, no. to engage students yeah, yeah. In. so yeah, you, know, you, it's don't totally want, you don't want to lose them on the first hurdle do you you don't no. you you want them to be able to feel that this is something that they can work with that it and, isn't it isn't too detailed it isn't too mind-blowing it's like yeah it's a starting point and that it and and that that precisely is um, why all of this is linked to the work that we have done and are doing on the essential questions. So questions as driving. So the, what wonder is where they generate questions of their own, but quite often the inquiry is is prompted by a question. Yeah. Um, and that's why the entry question is a is a provocative question. It's a um, a question that is designed to get children excited, to um, generate a bit of debate, to um, disagreement, um, respectful dis disagreement. Um, so, so that that is the whole purpose of that first stage, um, yeah. and some some of it is is exactly what you're saying is that because because students just want to dive in yeah um we have to find ways to slow them down because yeah. once they actually stop and give themselves time to think about what they already know that's when connections between what they are needing to do and what they've already done begin to happen yeah and those texts that we are choosing and the graphic organizers that we are developing and the conversations that we are having there um, have that engagement in the learning process in mind. And through their reading in what yes. they so read. All, all, all of it, all of it is reading in yes. its broadest, broadest possible sense. So in that, in that case, um, listening to a YouTube video clip would mm. count as reading. Yeah. Um, listening to something. Yeah, an audiobook. Would count as reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a, a, a podcast. <laughs> absolutely, a podcast would count. Would count as reading. Um, but but as, that's 
So that sorry, that's our connect stage. We're gonna we're gonna have to move on from connect because we're gonna run out of time. So let's go to wonder. So, so the wonder stage then. So one wonder um is re is reading for entering into dialogue with the text. Yeah, okay. So we So that's that more deeply into, yeah. So somebody is trying to tell me something, and I need to be attentive to what they're saying. And I need to be responding. Yes. So, so that's what Douglas Knight was saying. It's not passive absorption. Um, so this goes back to this goes back to how you feel about something. What do you think about it? How does it make you feel? Does it? Isn't it? It's it's if that feeling, if that pushing them to think beyond reading is important. It puts them into the. It puts the students gives a put. Gives a purpose to the students' reading, would you think? Would you say? Um, yes, I, th I think that is part of it. But I think what's what's starting to happen now is um, what I'm saying. What I'm doing in in wonder is is what are you saying to me? What? Why are you telling me this? Okay. What does this mean for me? So the 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 feeling comes afterwards. Then. Um, I think the feeling may actually come come before. Okay. So, 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 so no. So there, there, there are feelings all the way through. All the way through. <laughs> but, yeah. so, but, but I think the difference in the, the difference in connect is I'm excited. I'm yeah. puzzled. I'm curious. Okay. Wait a minute. What are you saying? What is this? What are the implications of that? Oh, wait a minute. Um, I kind of get this, but I don't get this. Yeah. So it's out of this active dialogue with the text. The author of the text, it's this encounter of mind and idea that questions are starting to emerge. Mm. And it's because those questions matter to the student. So we, we may even have given them the starting point, but unless they then are taking ownership of that, and um, those are questions that matter to them that they want to answer, yeah. they're not engaged in the process. And there's no structure to the investigation, right? Which leads to investigate. Yeah, nicely done, Daryl. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> um, so then, then what I thought was in investigate, um, we've got reading for meaning in and knowledge of the text, rather than just information in the text. So, so, so are we saying that for me that means that students, and I think I probably jumped onto something else, is that students need to be able to explain what they've read and what it means to them at the end of state. Or is that another is that a further on? No, no, no. So that, that's absolutely right. And um actually this this is um this is a a, a good illustration of how this works in um, non-fiction and fiction yeah so conversations with students about what they're reading um generally tend to be this happened this happened this happened this happened this happened yeah and quite often you have to tell them okay now stop telling me that because yeah you know i can read it for myself <laughs> yeah. but the actual question is what does that mean to you why yeah. did this person do that yeah um, how did that make you feel yeah can you imagine if you were actually that person, how would you respond? Now, some children are doing that, I have no doubt. 
Yeah. Um, I would suggest that the majority of students aren't reading you, that thoughtfully and ref, reflectively. So when we're, to, you know, that's easy to do when you're talking about fiction because the stories generally tend to lead you to, you know, there's there's been a problem, it's been solved, it, it, it's, you know, it's just the nature of fiction, isn't it? So, so you know, you could pretend that you're that character and how would you behave in that instance? It's a different process, though, when they're reading non-fiction and about facts and people that have been or are still alive. Do you think that students make that same, can easily make that same um, judgment call? No. That they can with fiction? I don't. And actually, I, I would disagree that children do that easily and naturally with fiction. Mm. Okay. Um, so take, take our son, for example. Um, he has an extraordinarily high reading age and mm. devours book after book after book after book after book. Yeah. Um, and it's only really out of conversations with him about what he's reading that he is beginning to develop the ability to reflect on what is happening in the stories and imagine himself in and imagine different outcomes from what he's reading. Mm. Um, so that is a combination of reading an extraordinary amount, but it's also a combination of... Um, us talking with him all the time about what he's reading and what sense he's making of it. Now, for most children, or, or for many children, I, I'm not sure that that happens. A, because they don't enjoy reading, they don't find reading easy, they maybe don't have quite the same supportive environment at home, um, they don't have the opportunities in school, so I think we, we maybe make too many assumptions about what many children are getting out of reading fiction. Okay. So I think we, we need to have the same idea and strategies in mind, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. That's interesting. But yeah. for nonfiction, um, that, is, that is the whole reason right at the very beginning that we developed the um, investigative journal graphic organiser. So that makes a distinction between this, this is the thing that I'm reading. Yeah. This is the information that I found that I think is particularly important or particularly relevant. Yeah. Why? Yes. Now, left, left to their own devices, um, students will skip why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Yes. <laughs> and that requires time. It requires that you've actually read mm. so that you've actually read the information yeah and you've thought about the information and you've thoughtfully selected the information whether so whether you copy and paste it that's that's not the issue because you know where it's come from you've referenced yeah. it already yeah why what does yeah. that mean to you what questions does that raise yeah so that graphic organizer without knowing it because i've only recently been this explicit about the reading that's happening in each stage 
But that is exactly what I, I was trying to achieve when I developed that graphic organizer in the first place was reading for meaning in the text rather mm -hmm. than just information. Yeah. And that's exactly the kind of thing that we need to be doing with students who are reading fiction. Mm -hmm. oh, so that's very nice. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so so what? Yeah, you've read 20 books. Great. <laughs> yeah. Or um, this thing happened and this thing happened and so what? Yeah, yeah. Well, why is that important? Why does that matter? Yeah. Why does that stand out to you? Uh, and even if on some basic instinctive level they know, unless they've reflected on it enough to be able to articulate it, it's the articulate. I'm not sure that it, yeah, it's that transformational. Absolutely, it's that verbalization, isn't it? If that's a word, it's the it's the actually being able to explain and talk about it, and I think that that in general is a is is a difficult thing for anybody but I think students particularly find it difficult because there's a fear of getting it wrong absolutely there's a fear of having misunderstood but actually we need to facilitate those discussions not to make students feel daft or stupid but to help them grow in their understanding of what they're reading and actually that that knowledge that actually what they might have said is not is not quite what maybe the project was looking for but it isn't insignificant so any information that they glean from what they've been reading leads to a decent conversation doesn't it about what brought them to that thought and actually that's a a, a really um positive thing that you can be doing with students that goes beyond that or helps them get beyond that fear factor of voicing their opinions I think and to be honest I think the other thing that we mustn't lose sight of and we also um, mustn't shy away from um, is that students may not yet know enough in order to be able to articulate something so mm -hmm. so giving them opportunities to try. So, so we, we do need them to be comfortable, to be willing to share, to feel that it's safe to share, that they're not going to be laughed at or penalized or whatever for. So that's all part of the process. But um, they do also need to realize that maybe they just don't know enough yet. Now, and what, they will continue reading. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. um, one of Jenny's, one of Jenny's, um, year six students last year for that that um, signature work um, as part of the reflect phase. Well, actually, I mean, that was what they reflected on, but they realized it during the express phase. Um, mm -hmm. so, so everybody had to do a presentation. And it was a much bigger deal for some than others. Yeah. Um, but obviously, some people are con some some students are confident um, and will quite happily stand up and talk the hind legs off a donkey. Yeah. But because the presentations needed to be authentic. They they needed to have an authentic audience. Um, and the, these students had um, asked whether they could do a short presentation to the whole school during assembly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, as the deadline got closer and closer and closer, so did the level of panic increase. <laughs> yeah. Um. But what the student realized, which was absolutely transformational for him, was that the problem wasn't um, 
doing the talk, the problem was that he didn't have enough worthwhile stuff to say. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So he hadn't done he hadn't done enough work for his message to be clear. Yeah. And that actually what he needed to go back to do was to go back and do a bit more reading and to make sure that he was clear what the point was and that he had evidence to support it. Oh, yeah. then the presentation took care of itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um we we so we can't lose sight of the fact that we do need to gain relevant and reliable information but not a, but not without also being able to explain why that information matters to us and to other people and what we're going to do with it which leads us into construct <laughs> yay we're linking great <laughs> halfway through the cycle <laughs> so so now construct is reading for understanding beyond the text Okay. So the text is not the text is not a an end in itself. It's a means to an end. And even yeah. if that end, even if that end is pleasure, um, I'm not just reading for the sake of reading. Yeah. Um, it serves a purpose. So. So what I've done now is I've made sure that I've understood what you're saying to me. I've taken the bits out that are important, and I've got some idea why. Um. And and the, the the focus now is so what does that mean for me beyond the text? So when I put the book down and I walk away from it, in what way am I empowered? So it's that meeting, that meeting of mind and idea, but it's the extension and the development of that idea. So that idea has become something that I can use. So it's not the information. So this is this is where where we can take students back to what they already know or thought they already knew at the beginning, and actually pulling together now what they've what they knew or thought they knew to what they have now learned, and then being able to to make sure that they're reading. So if we're closing, I suppose what I'm saying is if we're closing it, we're not reading anymore. Where does the reading come into this section? It's no, what they so have there, all it. No, so there is still reading. Okay. Um, be because if you remember, um, in talking about the graphic organizer, um, we were talking about investigate and construct. Okay. Yes, yes. So in a certain sense, we've already spoken about construct. Um and that's why our graphic organizers are slightly different. We've approached the graphic organizers in a slightly different way to the way that Barbara approached hers in the Empire State Information Fluency Continuum, mm -hmm. because her focus was on individual skills. Yeah. And what we're what what we'd focused on was um skill sets and stages. Yeah. Okay. So in one graphic organizer, the investigative journal, we've got um express at the top where you are making notes of the source yeah we've got investigate where you are saying what information you've taken from that source that you can consider to be particularly useful helpful why yeah so what do you take away with you out of that text 
yeah. that's already starting to emerge and construct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in a certain sense, we've already spoken about that, but the reason why I've 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 expressed that separately is because the point that there's a reason why we read the thing in the first place. Yeah. And when we finish reading it, we've taken something from it that we need to do something with. Yeah. And we need to be clear that that that's a different kind of reading. Yes. Yes, we're, we're pushing those boundaries. We're pushing those that basic understanding of what reading is. Yeah, yeah, so you can kind of imagine it. I'm losing myself into the text. I'm entering into a dialogue with the text. I'm extracting stuff from the text. Now I come back out and I'm looking at the world differently. Yeah. I see the world differently. I respond to the world differently. I react differently. I behave differently because I've, I've been changed by this encounter. That's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So then we're then expressing. Yes. Now express so express is actually interesting because I think most people would say, well, you've done all the reading now, there's not much reading left to do. Yeah. Um, but actually, um what I was thinking is that um express is reading for communicating personal knowledge and understanding. So there is a sense in which given my audience and what it is that I'm wanting to share, I now need to go back and read my own stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I've got all these construct boxes. So of all of the information that I've got, that's the evidence that supports the conclusions that I've drawn, these ideas that I have. Um, so... In, in order for me to share what I've learned, I need to be clear about what I've learned and I need to be clear about the evidence that supports that. So I need to be able to go back and read my own stuff yeah. in order to be able to decide what is most necessary for this presentation or this report or this essay or whatever. Yeah, okay. So more reading. And then we go to reflect, which presumably is reading the whole lot of it. <laughs> yeah. So so um, so it's both. So reflect is both. This is your last chance to make sure that you um, are saying exactly what you intended to say. You thought you said you were required to say. Mm -hmm. um, but also um, it's the ability to reflect on. So, yeah, it, 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 it's reading for reflecting on learning. And that's both the product, but also the process. Yeah. So you, th there's a certain kind of reading, a reflective reading, that then um, enables you to develop as an inquirer so yeah. that the next time it's better. Yeah. So one of the things that we were going to touch on, and I think we've touched on it quite a bit through the conversation, was strategies and techniques that readers can employ to extract meaningful insights. And I think we have covered quite a lot of that. Um, is there anything else that you'd want to say um, as far as that is concerned? I suppose the question is, the librarian is at the heart of all of this, and they understanding of their role in how to support this is a huge one, isn't it? 
Yes. Um, and in fact, that's that's what it all comes down to, because um, a library is either a room with books on the shelf or it's a meeting place of mind and idea. Now, um, without so without a librarian, you so you could actually have a a room with books. And for the right kind of student, that is still a meeting place of mind and idea. So for me, um, I had a very poor, exp poor experience of a school library. Um, so I remember nothing about the librarian at all, other than that there was a person who supervised us and checked books in and out. However, for me, that room of books, provided I could find something <laughs> both fiction and non-fiction um was a meeting place of for, for mind and idea and because of the kind of person i was i didn't need the librarian to help me extend it mm -hmm. but um that that i don't think is the case for many possibly the majority mm. and i'm not 100 percent sure what it is about me that enabled me because I, I, I so I'm not saying that I had no help ever in developing as that kind of reader. Yeah. But I can't obviously remember who it was who did. So so one of the things I suppose that springs to mind is that facilitating this um, reading uh adventure that's not the right word probably but but um journey is another word is time consuming is um difficult with individual or even groups of students and how do we how do we envisage the librarian who maybe doesn't ever get any library lessons or opportunities to work within the curriculum or you know how can they you know, having listened to this podcast what what can we how can we help them get started in understanding their role within a student's reading journey and how they can facilitate those discussions is it through book groups is it through individual discussions with students but how do they so is it I mean it is but beyond that what can they do to to start pushing the boundaries to start helping schools realize that their role within reading is is essential so um so I think that's a podcast <laughs> <laughs> here we go again <laughs> and um I think would 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 make for a logical um start uh, 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 a logical continuation okay um of our discussion into the new year um but what i but but what i would but what i would say um in response to that question so um an, an immediate response to that question would be um you have to start by seeing what you do in this way yeah so if you don't see your job in these terms or your your profession, <laughs> your calling, yeah. if, you, if you don't see it in these terms, 
then so if if there's not a meeting of mind and idea this is an idea or ideas um if you don't see yourselves in these terms then there is nothing further to talk about yeah so if you do not see this as what you do and are able to articulate it that's what's important yeah how how can you then con con convince your colleagues your management so we're so we're saying that librarians need to understand that this is what we've just been discussing over the last hour it is an essential part of a school librarian's role and even if you're doing a little bit of it, it is understanding and being able to verbalize what you do is the stepping stone to something more. And I would I would even go one step further. Um, so I would say this is the librarian's role. Yeah. Everything else that we do supports this. Because if if we so if we bring it back to what we said, um in my in my opinion. And and it's not just it's not just my opinion. It's um, it's the conclusion that I've come to after many 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 <laughs> years of wrestling with this is yeah. that the purpose of the school library is to enable knowledge and understanding for our students of themselves and the world to to empower them. Then that empowers them um, to be able to participate responsibly in community with other people through reading fiction and non-fiction yeah that is the per so so the purpose is to enable knowledge and understanding the mission is through reading everything that we do supports that purpose and mission um now i know that there are probably many <laughs> people who wouldn't agree, mm -hmm. but then I think the, the the burden rests with them to explain why that is not the case. Yeah, because um, I've 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 thought I've thought about whether to to mention this or not, and I think I will by way of um, illustrating and drawing this bit of the discussion to a close. Um, and this has so, so to this this has to be understood in context, but um one of the the slogans recently that came out of the Great School Libraries campaign was something along the lines of the library allows children to escape reality. And I think it may even have been expressed in those terms. So I don't I don't have that immediately to hand. Now I understand the sentiment and there is a, a, a sense in which I agree. So um all libraries have children who are vulnerable, who don't necessarily fit in as easily somewhere else who 
um, view the library as a safe space, although all students in school should view the library as a safe space, yeah. um, where they can come and be themselves and, 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 and. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. I think it would be arrogant to assume that the library is the only place where that happens and possibly even the only place where that happens for those students who frequent the library. However, that view of, so if that's all the library is, if, if the library is only a place where I escape from reality, that is the exact opposite of what I've just suggested yeah. the actual purpose of the library is. The purpose of the library is to enable all students to deal with reality. Yeah. To, to, to the extent that it's possible to be empowered to go out of the library and to change their situation, mm -hmm. however difficult, however challenging. Because if it's not... Yeah. Yeah. If, it, if it's not empowering them, and, and that's why I think the definition, definitions matter, <clears throat> because they describe who or what we are, and that is linked to what we do and attempt to achieve. And as I say, um, this whole conversation came out, this, 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 the, 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 the last two podcasts really centered on um, what at least in in America um, in 1968 um, was a commonly held view of what all libraries yeah. are and do and as a consequence what that requires of the librarian which I think um, is a, a good topic for the new year it is. Well, what a powerful way to finish, Daryl. Thank you so much for spending the last six months with me. Um, we are heading into the Christmas season, so we do hope that you all have a wonderful break when it comes. January, January, like I said earlier, will bring a house move for me. So next month's podcast may be a little later than usual, but our normal service will be resumed as soon as possible. Um, it looks like we have um, uh, reading for literacy still still on the cards. We have um, literacy and reading for pleasure on the cards um, and lots more to come. So so I hope you've enjoyed this podcast this year. Uh, we do intend to carry on. Um, I, you know, I know I'm learning loads, so I hope you are too. Um, thank you so much for listening. And um if you'd like to comment on anything that you've heard, then then please comment on the in the comments below, and don't forget to sub, to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on future discussions. Thank you very much for listening.